Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show Kent Yoshimura and Ryan Chen. They are co-founders, CEO and CFO, respectively, of LA-based Neuro, a health and wellness company that creates functional gum and mints that you can take anywhere, anytime to refresh your state of mind and do more. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us. Oh, thanks so much for making the time to be here. I'm going to tell you today is a first. This is the first time I'm interviewing. Oh, wait, no. It's the second time I'm interviewing two people at once. So... (laughs) So bear with me here. So I'd love to hear, just to to kind of kick things off, how you two met and the story behind you starting Neuro. What was the problem that you were looking to solve? So if you can just kind of take that view from us and uh, share that with us, that'd be great. I think it'll be pretty relevant to a lot of other people in the fitness industry also. Like Ryan and I started in in athletics. Ryan was captain of his cross-country and track team in high school. I was training pretty seriously in martial arts, particularly in judo, Muay Thai, traveling to train in those and uh, fighting those. And for us, it was like taking supplements or energy drinks were the only options to get going on, on whatever we were trying to do, especially with like the way the supplement industry is even now. There's so much lack of regulation that we wanted to be sure that what we were putting in our body was was actually working. And so, you know, f- for myself, like I got extremely into biohacking, mixing my own supplements and seeing how my own performance as a baseline was being affected. And during during like a scuba diving trip for Ryan and I, you know, it's it was kind of this revelation where it's like, you know, taking pills in public isn't that cool. Taking supplements once a day isn't that effective. And taking energy drinks aren't great for you. So how do we put it into a better format of gum and mints where anyone can take it anytime? I love that because you're right. I think that, well, first of all, you touched on so many things. One, supplement industry is not regulated. Why do you think so? And do you categorize neuro as a supplement? We want to be a lifestyle brand and a confectionery brand at the end of the day. Like what we want to represent is so much more than just, you know, you take this pill and it's going to give you these health benefits or you chew on this gum or mint and it's going to give you these health benefits because as you know like when you work out or train or do anything it is so much more than just taking a magic pill but i think well the lack of regulation in the supplement industry is shifting pretty seriously now it's supplements kind of fell under the radar of the fda when it first came out and now they're beginning to crack down on it but you know for Ultimately for us, yes, we are a supplement, but we want to be a supplement in the way where it's the very sense of the word. We're supplementing the lifestyle that, that you want to live. And we want to be a product that supplements all that. 
Right. I think people are always looking to get the competitive edge. And when you talked earlier about biohacking, I think everybody's ears probably perked up like, oh, okay, what can I do to get that competitive edge? Right. So when you say that neuro is a functional gum and mint, like what does that mean? What is a functional gum and mint? Ryan, you want to? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I also to add in terms of it, it, do we consider ourselves a supplement? Like what we really want to do is change the supplement industry. And, and, and there is a lack of regulation right now, which is something that we want to like change in, 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 in the consumer's mind right now. It's, you know, people could put up a supplement and not right, really have the ingredients that they're claiming to put in. So that's why we you know we batch test every, every lot that we make. You know, we want to be transparent in the ingredients that go into it versus, you know, some brands that say that they have this proprietary blend or proprietary formula and they put all this stuff in it that, you know, people can't even pronounce and they don't know really what they're putting in their body. They're just like trusting that, you know, that product. And for us, we want to have a brand that people ultimately trust and know that they can go to us for, you know, an energy and focus type product or a common clarity product or a multivitamin uh government that, you know, we plan on releasing uh, middle of next year. So it's a whole array of assortment of products that we ultimately want consumers to, to be able to take. Um, and I think to, to follow up to that question about like, what is functional, basically trying to accomplish like one, one goal in mind. So, you know, right now we have the energy and focus product. We have a common clarity product aimed at like being able to have you gain those attributes. And then, you know, our multivitamin government's also, you know, a, a functional product where, you know, you have all your daily vitamin needs and it's not like, you know, one, once a day pill where, you know, your, your, your body isn't able to absorb all those vitamins at once, but basically government in a form factor where you can enjoy it throughout the day, but it's more purposeful in the sense that you're getting the right amount of vitamins at each dose throughout the day. So your body's actually effectively absorbing them. Yeah, I read some statistic that like when you take a multivitamin, your body only absorbs like 20% of the actual vitamins and the rest, not to sound just, gross, but goes out of your urine yeah, and you never yeah. even absorb them. 100%. So like and that's, whatever. That's something that, that yeah, so that's exactly what we're trying to tell people is that, yeah, it's convenient to take one pill, but your body's really not absorbing that. I think it's like if, if someone's telling you to drink eight cups of water a day and you drink all eight cups of water the first moment you wake up and you don't drink anything the rest of the day, your your body's not absorbing. That's not the most effective way to, to drink water. So I, I think trying to get that concept and educating consumers about that process is going to be really key for us. Right. So I guess labels in that regard could be a little misleading because you take like a thousand milligrams of vitamin C and then you're only <laughs> absorbing 20% of it. So did you really take a thousand milligrams of vitamin C? Probably not. So I'd love to just go back for a minute. So Ryan and Kent are two young entrepreneurs. You're sitting around, you're identifying this problem and you're coming up with a solution. What was the process like of trying to source these ingredients to come up with these formulas? Like what did that look like? I mean, Kent can go into the research of how he found these ingredients oh, and where they're getting yeah. them from. I was like, it looked like a drug den. <laughs> we were like first sourcing everything. I mean, like my sophomore year of high or of college, I was super involved with all these different nootropics forums. So, you know, like even and my, my roommate was very into cryptocurrency even now, but during that time as well. And so there's certain supplements like the Rastam family, which is illegal in the United States now. 
that we were sourcing from like Silk Road. <laughs> They're like, we're going to places like hardrhino.com, which I don't think is even around right now, or Bulk Supplements. And Bulk um, Supplements is still around. Bulk Supplements is still it's it's a big big company. Company. They're yeah. a big company. Um, but just getting batch powder and then having like a pill presser in our in, in my like tiny dorm room and seeing what works and what doesn't. And yeah, you know, it was this small community at that time that was just testing all these different supplements on themselves and seeing what works. And we're just going back and, you know, fairly small sample size, but trying to create an effective study on what's, what's actually functional and what's not. Okay. So instead of lab rats, you're using focus groups out of your friends. I mean, I'm really impressed because sophomore year in college, I was like, organizing parties and moving kegs around in the backseat of my car. So I wasn't <laughs> formulating, you know, supplements and, and getting the competitive edge. So I think that's really impressive. But once you started coming up with these recipes, like how did you go from the process of actually having this idea, testing out the recipes to making it an actual tangible business? I mean, that was many years later. So like we were saying earlier, it was during a scuba diving trip and you know, no one was really doing functional governments. People really aren't doing functional governments right now. You know, like when you think of supplements, that's like the, the last place you go. So it was a, about like a, a year long process where Ryan and I were looking at different manufacturers. We we're, you know, batch mixing in our own rooms and uh, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And I mean, that year of research and development, going to different chemists, going to different manufacturers, going in you know, constantly researching on Google and forums and different places was, I mean, it just feels kind of like a blur to me at this moment, but it was like a pretty intensive process to make sure that we get the texture right, the flavor right. And, and, and we still iterate constantly to make sure that our product keeps getting better and better. I mean, from the time that we thought about putting this in governance in like 2013, I mean, version zero really started in like 2007 when Kent was making this in pills. So to give you kind of context and timelines, like 2007 was like, oh, like pills, nootropics, this type of supplementation works, obviously. And then, you know, we take that for years and years and years. And then we had graduated, we had both had full-time jobs and we were getting our scoop certification in 2013. And from 2013, we had to find a manufacturer even willing to, to take on, you know, two young entrepreneurs that had this idea and I think at the time, Ken, I didn't even know what entrepreneur even meant. Like, what does that entail? What is that? Like, what's that job title even mean? Like, but we just had an idea and, and we, we launched a brand in 2015 at the end of September or sorry, in, in September, 2015 on Indiegogo. So, I mean, to give you a context in time, we had proved all the ingredients because there's been so much research behind them, but we were changing the form factor. But when you switch something like caffeine, that's extremely bitter or B vitamins that taste very metallic or L-theanine that kind of has this like very sticky umami type flavor. It's really hard to make something taste good, but also, you know, be very functional. So you're chewing um, the whole time, right? Cause it's gum. It's not like exactly. a small one. So it's like, yeah. So we had different sets of challenges and I think, you know, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, that's the reason why there are not many people in this space because it's really hard to make this type of product. Right. And I read somewhere that you've gone through 30 iterations of your product. So when you're going, you know, looking to make this shift and create a new iteration of a product and adjust it in some capacity, are you working with focus groups? Are you surveying clients? Like where are you getting this information and why are you deciding to make these changes? 
yeah, constant customer feedback, you know, constant customer surveying, even with like our top customers and then constant surveying of like two of our partners, you know, with our manufacturer and our supplier have, and, and also us going to like these trade shows, there's always new technology coming out that's better and more natural, reduces bitterness, things like that. And we're constantly trying to be on that cutting edge to make sure that, you know, whether it's through absorption or whether it's through flavor or whatever it, it is, that those are all elements that are constantly improving. One of the things that I really love about your product is just the aesthetic of it, the actual brand. I'm a total branding snob. So <laughs> who developed the branding, the packaging? Because that's very important in a customer product and good services, right? The way the package looks. So how did you develop that? I mean, that's like the iterations of the government too. As we go through formula iterations, the brand and the aesthetic has evolved over time. And I think Ken can kind of go through that timeline with you guys. Oh my gosh, even that like, like, you know, designing in Photoshop, we took like a dye line from like a pre-existing gum package and then just form, like form fitted to like the blister that would fit for us. And like, you know, designing in Photoshop and then actually going to like a di real designer to make sure it works. And then this, I don't know, this is like iteration number five. And since like the very beginning, our branding was like, okay, we want to keep it minimal. We want to keep it clean. We want to make it seem like this is the product, you know, with gum and mints, there's only so much you can fit in there. And like Ryan was saying, transparency is the, like one of the mantras in our business. So we, we want to represent that as much as possible in the way our packaging looks. So, you know, we have, there's a amazing design agency that we're extremely good friends with called Herman Shear. And that, you know, we worked with them extremely closely and it, they were very early on in their business and we were still like a few years in, in our business. And I, I think we just like synergized and created this amazing look and feel that yeah. conveyed how we want to represent ourselves. I mean, early too, like when we, before we had the gum and blisters, we had it in these sliding tins, like back in like 2013, when we were doing New York fashion week. And, and they, were, they, were, they were interested in our product, but we didn't have like a fully fleshed out like supply chain, but it was like tins. And then one of my best friends who worked at Apple helped us measure and cat out the tin heights and stuff that make sure it would fit the gum. And that evolved into blister packages in the first round Kent design. And then we had another design agency help us with a, a refresh. And then we went through a whole brand kind of overhaul last year. So it's been, yeah it's a constant process and it keeps things exciting. And, and right now what we have, we're really proud of because we have so many different products that we want to expand into within the government space. So you've come up with your formulas. You've actually gone through the painstaking process of getting a manufacturer. You've locked in your branding and your packaging. Now, where did you start with targeting your ideal client and actually selling the product, right? Coming up with all the ideas is one thing, but then actually moving the product is another. So were you going after athletes like yourselves? Were you targeting, you know, people that work in offices? Like how did you actually move the product? What was the marketing and, and sales plan? It's funny. Cause like when we entered into business, we really didn't know anything about business. <laughs> you know, like I, I think most entrepreneurs feel like this, it's like, Oh my God, there's a problem in the industry. And then like, we want to fix it, but it, we didn't really have any foundation on like how to set up like supply chain or like how to, 
like how actual marketing works. So we were extremely fortunate that the original community of like the nootropics users and the biohackers that we were already talking to while we were trying to create this product latched on. And then we were able to basically in three days, we met our Indiegogo goal that we set. And then Dr. Oz picks it up and Time Magazine picks it up and it kind of snowballed from there. But after that, that only lasts so long. So we started thinking about, okay, who are we really? We're, we came up with the product when we were college students, we're athletes and we have, we really have like a, a sense of the sciences. And so those were like the three kind of pillars that we started thinking of when we started targeting our original customer group. And then from there it's expanded much, much more. But I think even now our core group of users are like CrossFit athletes or office workers, or even like college campuses when they were open before COVID, like we we're making a real splash there, but we'll, we'll probably continue to expand from that initial group of people. And do you look to work direct to consumer? Do you have affiliate programs? Do you work with retailers? Like how, how do you actually move the product now today? Yeah, we have, we have all those. And then, you know, like now that we're a little bit more established, each one of those marketing opportunities take up a certain percentage of how we calculate like overall revenue in the business. But starting next year, you know, and even, I mean, starting this year and the year before, we're in about 7,500 retail locations, slowly expanding into more. But next year, we want to basically double that. Like getting those multiple touch points, getting our product in front of people and being a product that, you know, gum is something that you typically don't order online, I would assume. for mo- Like we're assuming for most consumers, it's something that you see at the cash register. And it's like, oh my God, this is exactly what I need right now. We want to be that product, like that fast moving consumer good that people can reliably find anywhere they go. So they can get their energy and focus or common clarity. And so to double that number of, of locations, are you working with distributors? Are you doubling down on PR? Like how are you getting the word out? Not to give away your secret sauce formula, but just out of curiosity, because I'm sure that a lot of people listening to this have might have an idea. And it's so hard to take something from iteration to execution. And I'm just kind of curious as to, you know, what your thoughts are there. I mean, I would, I would say if you're starting out, you just like pick up the phone and call, (laughs) you know, you pick up the phone and like, even with the original PR we got, it was like us emailing every single journalist that wrote about anything similar to us and seeing if they would respond or not. And now that we do kind of have like this, this process in place, what we're probably going to do is like, we have a VP of sales. That's amazing. We work with several distributors that are fantastic. We're going to be in Whole Foods in January nationwide. So that's probably going to open the doors and like we could use that as like a marketing tactic to get into more natural food stores. I think finding those like little niche or rather finding in your success that you already have something that you could latch onto and expand from is the key to having anything spread. So we're, we're probably going to keep going down that path. You know, like our PR is pretty strong. Our sales and distribution is pretty strong. But how do we continue to strengthen it without overloading ourselves and being too top heavy where the tower topples over? 
And what was that turning point that established that credibility that opened other doors for you? Like, what was that in your business where you're just kind of like, okay, we got over this little hurdle and now we're going to just kind of maximize this. I think it is that PR, right, Ryan? Like it's, yeah, I, <laughs> I think in terms of credibility, we, we always knew that this was a product that we knew where the supply chain was coming from. We knew that it was a product that worked, but it was just now getting it into people's hands to, to believe what we believe in. So, you know, this year, Joe Rogan is a huge fan, you know, the biggest podcast in the world. He talks about us organically, like six times. It's, it's like Shark Tank, which, you know, great PR for us. But I mean, throughout the last five years, it was, you know, things like Forbes, Time Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine. There was like small things that showed us like the PR media side. But in terms of the the legitimacy of the product, it was always there. It was like a product that, you know, is, you know, it's tasted better as the years have gone on and we've improved certain things. But the core product was was always the same. And, and it was something that we believed in and it just takes Good things, I think, just take time, especially for us. There was no overnight success, no exact maybe turning point, but it was all, you know, it was all slight curves that led us to like where we are today. Yeah. I will say one thing that, you know, going back to like lashing on to every win that you do have, early on when Time Magazine did write about us, we went to the next per- next journalist and we were like, hey, we just got ran up by Time Magazine. Do you want to write about us? And then they wrote about us. And I'm like, you just kind of keep zigzagging back and forth and start accumulating like your credentials and then pushing it forward. And it might take longer for others, and but it all, it all has to start somewhere. And that starting point is always just going out and doing that work yourself you know, reaching out to every single PR agency that you know, or like every story that you know, and seeing where that lands you. Right. I think nowadays, so many people are under this misconception that it's like, oh, I'm going to start an Instagram account, put up gorgeous photos and use the right hashtags. And my business is going to be born. And it's like, thank you for highlighting that. No, there's a lot of grit work that goes on the back end. That's maybe not something that everybody sees. And it makes a lot of sense to just kind of like, you know, it's like a snowball. Like once you get one win, you use that to get the next opportunity and the next opportunity. And that kind of coupled with, you know, the credibility of, of having great, a great product, you know, kind of catapults the business and it's just a series of wins. So we have talked about some wins. What are some hurdles or struggles that you guys have gone through? Cause there, every business has times where you just kind of are like, it feels like a gut punch. Have you had like any big struggles that you've been up against? There's, it's like so frequent that sometimes it's, it's something like it, as an entrepreneur, you start, start building resiliency, right? And like this, this sense of perseverance and some of the mistakes that happen on a daily basis, you just learn from and then certain other mistakes keep, keep happening. But like you continue to iterate and fix those mistakes as well. So I don't know, like even early on, like very fortunately not joining an incubator for example, was, and like that decision was, <laughs> was crazy, but like, you know, we were extremely lucky and not going with this company that would have taken, uh, or sorry, with this incubator that would have taken a huge chunk of our company, you know, early on getting people onto our, into our company that really didn't bring any value in the long term. It, like those things are harder to predict then, but as naive entrepreneurs, like you, 
you learn to fix those things. And I don't know, like with every mistakes comes an opportunity to grow and learn from it. So he struggles like, cause we do get asked this question a lot and like a flurry of things comes into my head, but ultimately none of them really feel like massive mistakes by any means. They all feel like they were meaningful road bumps on the way up to like where we are now in, in the business. I think in the beginning is like when you run into like a first major problem, like say supply chain or running out of inventory, it feels like the end of the world. And then now as you go and you endure more and more problems and roadblocks, they, they just become like, Kevin was saying it's like resilience, but it's like, you, you kind of learn to roll with the punches where it's like, okay, it's not the end of the world. It's not, this is like, you know, another thing that we're going to get through and we'll get to the other side. And these are like the steps that we know are going to like help us get there. Yeah. I mean, th- I mean, this year alone, there's been several roadblocks, but you know, we've yeah. navigated through and we've had our best year to date. And I know we want to carry over that knowledge and, and, and infrastructure that we've learned to, to avoid this year's mistakes until like next year. And we just continue to improve. So, you know, it, the problems seem to get, you know, bigger and bigger at larger scales as we grow because we're a bigger, bigger company, but you learn how to mitigate that. And I think, like reset expectations. So for us, it's, we, we know that there's many more problems in the future. It's just learning how to like, control the stress. That just like popped in my head <laughs> that I remember was just like, oh my God, like how many other bad things can happen? But uh, we had to get like a shipment out to, um, we had to get a shipment out to uh, CVS, like a massive, massive order to like 4,000 or like 3,500 of them. And it was our first big shipment. Yeah. And it was our first <laughs> big shipment and our first big opportunity. And that's when the polar vortex was happening and our shipments had to like fly in from New York to Chicago up to like where we manufacture and like everything just stopped. So there's so many different ways we had to like basically navigate those waters to make sure that that order was fulfilled because we knew that was a chance we couldn't blow. And, you know, now we run into supply chain issues because I think that's like every company (laughs) that deals with uh, moving product, but we just kind of like we know how to work through it now and we like we set that foundation of how to be able to work through it it's a school of hard knocks baby i definitely have exactly. gone through some things that used to you know otherwise just kind of like ruin my day throw me for a tizzy and just like i i couldn't like get past it and now it's just kind of like okay we'll just keep it moving and i i do think you develop a tough skin you know just in and staying true to your vision of like what you want for your business and what you have to do to just keep it moving forward it's like you can't just fold because the supply chain has a wrinkle in it right you have to just say like, okay, well, what are some solutions? How are we going to keep this party moving? So what's your big vision for Neuro? Are you looking to always, you know, be the sole proprietors of Neuro? Are you looking to get it to be another part of another big business? Like sometimes entrepreneurs are like, okay, I want to sell this company or I want to take on more funding or, you know, what are you looking for here with Neuro? Like what's your next step? You know, if we could take the supplement industry that exists in your medicine cabinet right now and completely replace it and place it into everyone's pockets, like, then we've done our goal. All the multivitamins, all the biotin tablets, all like the, you know, like the energy supplements, all those things that people are taking once a day can just become a part of everyone's lifestyle. And then all of a sudden, like health is just something 
that is just integrated in with who you are. And our, you know, cause we, we talk about this quite a bit. It's like, okay, like our company's growing. Do we want to sell or do we want to be, you know, do we want to continue growing this thing into something that's much, much bigger. And ultimately at the end of the day, if we are a company that's able to help people and it's cash flow positive and, you know, it's something that we can continue to grow out in the way that we see it. There's no reason for us to, to stop what we're doing. Like it's, this is, this is our life. You know, this is, I think there's a pretty novel goal at the end where we could bring health into everyone's pockets. And that's, that's, that seems very attainable. So how has COVID (laughs) changed your business? Has that accelerated your business now that more people are thinking of immunity and, and they're more conscientious about their, you know, health habits? Has that helped you in any way or has that been a struggle? Yeah. I mean, well, our, our business continues to grow. I, I think COVID definitely affects us in like it's affected everyone for the most part, for example, like all of our retail stores like that and our retail locations that got shut down during COVID definitely took an impact. The college campuses that got shut down, although we were becoming one of the best selling products in these Barnes and Noble college bookstores, like that was a a huge revenue driver that unfortunately we couldn't recognize this year. But, you know, what we saw is like consumer behavior has not shifted too, too much. People are still spending, people are moving towards e-commerce and we're a pretty big brand on Amazon and our own site. And thankfully the customers who have stayed loyal to us and like the new customers that are coming in continue to, to support us. And, you know, in, in many ways, like all of our marketing efforts went back to trying to support them in whatever way we can, like whether through fitness videos that we provide for free, whether through like donating product to like frontline workers or healthcare workers. And I think all those things translate into just, a, a more symbiotic relationship between these small businesses and the people you, the, the people that chew your product. Throughout this process, what have you learned about managing people and building teams? Cause that's something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about when they're building a business, like the part of, of actually managing people and dealing with people is a lot more difficult than dealing with product, right? Product doesn't talk back to you or product doesn't call in sick. <laughs> well, I guess sometimes with the supply chain, but what have you learned throughout this process about just managing people and building teams? Yeah. I mean, for Ryan and I, you know, it's like, I think our company runs in a very chill, <laughs> chill way. Our, like, when we say state of mind, like we really do believe that if you're not in the right state of mind, then things become much, much harder. So like in our company, like we, we allow for infinite time off, like we allow for, you know, like we want everyone to be in the right state of mind so that they could perform at their best. Mm -hmm. And if people don't feel that way, then that's on us. So we still have like, you know, our, our weekly, like last week, for example, like right before Thanksgiving, we played Among Us like with the entire team. And that was like super fun. You know, it's like we, we, we try to just keep it more casual. But like when it comes down to work, then we we get busy. Yeah, I think like one book that I, I mean, this is a kind of shout out to Tony Shea, but like we, it was like an entrepreneur and mentor that 
we really looked up to. He had a book called Delivering Happiness. And one of the things that he really stressed was, you know, your employees have to be happy. They want to have to be there. And so we want to create an environment where they want to be there and, and, you know, they believe in the work that they're doing. And so, you know, I was, I was just rereading a lot of stuff because he, he passed away, unfortunately, in this tragic accident. And one of the things that he did was that every employee would go through before that they were hired for a role, say, or supply chain or marketing, they would have to do four year, four, four weeks of customer service so they can talk to other customer service people calling in. They know a lot more about the company, the product, the services that they're offering, kind of just the company culture. And they would offer like a severance. And it's like, if you, you guys can take this money and leave, no, no strings attached. Or if you want to stay, you can stay. And I think that that was a way of like weeding out people who really believed in the job and the company and values. And that's just something that we want to aspire to is, is have a, you know, a group of people that I think we have right now that really like what they're doing. If they, if they don't, or they are interested in something else, like we're open to having them look into those type of opportunities too. And we want to find, like, I, I think people do their best job when they love what they do. And so we want to help cultivate that. Yeah. Right. And just to piggyback on that, I think also people do their best work when they also have respect for the leadership team. Right. Cause I've, I think, you know, I've definitely worked with teams where, you know, it's just very, you know, top down, it's very disconnected, the corporate staff versus the employees, or, you know, they're just kind of out of touch and disconnected from the actual process of what happens and what people do and what their responsibilities are. And I think that when people respect the leadership team, it makes them want to go, you know, the extra mile, go a little, fight a little harder, you know, answer another email at 11 o'clock and not say, hey, I'm clocked out or whatever. So I, I think that's really important. And I do think, you know, having fun at work when you said like, you know, we played Among Us, which my, my teenage sons are like obsessed with that game. <laughs> but, you know, when when you, you have fun together, I think it builds camaraderie and, and community on a different level, right? It's having respect for you is one thing, but then you know, playing a game with you and actually having fun with you makes them connect on a different level that makes them more tied in. So whether you you're doing it because of that or not, it still happens, right? It's still like a consequence of it. Your employees are more, are more bought into the company and the mission and and what they're doing on a daily basis. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to break down your business and your entrepreneurial journey with us. I love to talk so I could, I feel like I have like another 20 questions I'd love to ask you, but if somebody's interested in finding out more about neuro or they want to connect with you both, how could they do that? They could find us on getneuro.com. <clears throat> Sorry, G-T-N-E-U-R-O.com or our Instagrams at, at neurogum. So just DM us, ask for Ryan or Ken, and we'll usually shoot a message back. Thanks so much. Vanessa. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessasevariano.com or my social media handles. 
Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.